0: Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, the Hour of Truth with Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaine.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Body, Mind, Spirit Radio. Today is October 21st, 2014, and you are listening to Aetherius Radio Live. Which comes to every third Tuesday at one PM. Today we have a wonderful guest and host joining us, Alison Moritz, and as always, we have the amazing host Chrissy Blaise. Without further ado, I welcome both onto the show. Thank
2: you so much, Courtney, and hello and welcome, to Alison.
0: Hello, Chrissy. Really nice to be on the show today.
2: Yeah, lovely to have you. And I'll just explain to the listeners that because they're wondering where is Richard, although they should have had a notice, um, the other co-host of the show, um, Richard Lawrence. We actually have this month the great pleasure of having um, Alison Lawrence, who you might guess from the last name. Uh, they are related and indeed husband and wife. And I have we have spoken about Alison from time to time on the show. She's also um, a dear friend of mine over many, many years. And, uh,
1: uh,
2: yes, we won't say the number, I think, (laughs) but uh, she's, uh, let me say a little bit about you, Alison, because I know you're a modest person, but you really, are are tremendously, um, important person in this new age movement. I believe you're an international director of the Ethereum society. Um, you're a priest, you're a metaphysician of some note and extremely, uh, seriously, Alison has studied this field for many, many years. She's also an artist. She's a gemologist. She's a writer, a researcher, a teacher, a speaker. And um, today, the show should be very interesting indeed, because Alison has done a lot of research on this very popular subject of ascended masters. And so this is what um, we're going to be talking about today. But before I do... uh, talk to you, hand over to you, Alison, I'd just like to um, say one thing about Richard, because as you probably know, he he was uh, unable to be on the show today, but very kindly uh, left us a poem. And um, I'm going to begin the show by reading this poem. And again, as some of you listeners will know, Richard um, is also very talented in many ways, but among other things, he Um, has received some communications, channeled, very profound communications, some of which you can find on his website, uh, www.richardlawrence.co.uk. And he actually received the following. It wasn't channeled as such, but it was um, impressed with the words very recently, on October the 15th. And so we're going to begin the show by reading this. And it's kind of like... um, it's a very cool poem. It's, it's a little bit like a kind of a haiku. It's rather John Lennon-ish. And so just focus on the words. It, it's um, it's one of those things that needs a couple of times to uh, really get it. But I think if you concentrate, you'll find it's a very uh, refreshing and very uh, interesting poem. And it's called All You Need. From the treadmill of control the catwalk of goodness you're well on track to being there from the razor's edge of temptation to the safe haven of peace it's there for the taking grab it now it's yours and ours and theirs you're laughing all the way to the truth as pleased as Pat and Jolly. times on the side you have a nodding acquaintance with god all you need is nothing that's wonderful, isn't it, Alison?
0: It is. I know. He he told me but he read it out to me when it, it, it he'd just written it and that he gets he really inspired, I have to say. I've I've seen many of his his poems and you know, inspirational writings. And he really yeah. he really is a very good medium and a channel.
2: He really yeah. is. Um remember that time in Italy, Alison? There's <laughs> the four of us. There. Oh I know. <laughs> Richard received this profound communication in literally minutes. I mean, it's not something that uh, you could receive have any come other way. From I don't him. Think. It could only have right. come through him because it, it, exactly. that's how it works. Exactly. And I think you can find, as I say, you can find some of these channeled communications on his website, and I highly recommend you take a look at that. But the main focus today, of course, is Alison and the Ascended Masters, And um, I wonder, what do you think, Alison, as we've been studying the nine freedoms over many, many months, uh, perhaps it might be appropriate to begin by uh, me reading, setting the scene by reading just a couple of paragraphs from the sixth freedom, which is Ascension, and then kind of lead in uh, to you. You might have a few comments to make about that. What do you think? Yes,
0: absolutely. Yes, that would be a very good way to start.
2: Okay, sounds good. And if any listeners are listening for the first time, uh, you'll be pleased to hear that in the archives you'll be able to find um, all of the um, shows on the Nine Freedoms. And um, actually we haven't yet done the last one, but these are very, very fascinating shows. So the sixth freedom will be Ascension. Freedom from rebirth is brought about by he who is ready, as a result of countless experiences, countless lessons well learned through these experiences. Such a one has manipulated his karma so that it forms a pattern, which proves that he does not need to learn the basic lessons which can be afforded by further birth upon Terra. When this stage has been reached, the adept then leaves this planet Terra through death into a fuller life. Such a one may then choose whether or not he will remain upon Terra in order to render service, or whether he will go onward to an introduction into the experience cycle of another planet. At this stage, those with certain definite abilities volunteer to forego the greater bliss of an introduction into the experience cycle of another planet and choose to remain upon Terra. A special initiation is then afforded to the adept who chooses to remain upon terror and he is then initiated into the Great White Brotherhood. So that is ascension from the nine freedoms. Anything you want to add to that, Alison?
0: Or... Yes, well there's plenty there's plenty I can add to that. It's a question of where I start. I mean ascension is the culmination Of all experience, and uh, you know, further on in 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 this particular freedom, Mars Sector Six does actually say that it's not the result of any one practice or any one decree. It is all experience that then comes into one facet. So you, you you may gain, say, cosmic consciousness in one life but it does not mean you're ready for ascension. You have to look at everything in the whole, all your past life experiences, all the lessons you've learned. Because it means when you are ready for that final initiation, you are leaving the life cycle of the hum- of humanity. That means there are no more lessons you need to learn. There's nothing more that you can learn by reincarnating into the human cycle. So it is quite an achievement. But the wonderful thing is, it is our birthright. Every single human being on Earth has that potential.
2: Absolutely. And, um, you know, somebody told me, Alison, the other day, and I'm being serious here. (laughs) Oh, well, she said, I can tell you're on your last life. I mean, there's so um, so much rubbish out there because... We all have so many lessons to learn, and I have thousands of lives to go. But I think this is a, a prevalent thought that we're also close to this. And there are people, and I read in a magazine this month, actually, Alison, uh, claiming to channel ascended masters through their healing work. Well, it, claiming, not not the... only doing that, but claiming to teach others how to channel ascended masters. What do you feel about this in the New Age movement?
0: I, it is absolute nonsense i have to say it it just would not happen you see people they're they're under the illusion that because they start to have a realization about the meaning of life and what the spiritual path really means that they've arrived they've hardly started you, yeah, you know we have to be able to raise the power of kundalini to the brahma chakra well in its entirety and not just when the conditions are right at any time, when you want to, you can do it. You have all the powers, all the siddhis that the yogis talk about. You, who's ready for that? Not many. Exactly. But the beautiful thing, as you said, Alison, is that it is
2: all of our birthright. Nobody is excluded, even though it sounds yes. so hard for us at this point to be able to do this. Um, if we're honest, um, it's it's a pr- it's a Progress is a long, slow process, and we make, um, we we gain wonderful experiences along the way, wouldn't you agree? And I know you have yourself Absolutely. Alison, had experiences. Yes,
0: yes. I mean, when when you start to get a glimpse of this higher reality, you realise that you know it, it's such an inspiring thought, and then you start to become aware of the interconnectedness of all life. Everything has an aspect of the divine in it. And all these steps, all these realizations are so well laid out in the nine freedoms. You know, this is what is so wonderful in these days. There are no mysteries. You don't have to sort of disappear into the caves. It, it's here. It's in front of us. And it's designed for the man and the woman in the 20th and 21st century. I mean, just at the beginning of the nine freedoms... Dr. King, he made this statement, and I'd like to read it to you. Is that all right, Chrissy? Oh, please do. Yes, please do. Yes, please. And he says The nine freedoms, as a signpost to the future evolution of humanity, has been given at this time so that those who are ready may learn how to progress bravely into the millennium of peace on Earth, then later through the cosmos. Wow. I mean, it really is the first time. Our whole path has been laid out before us, and the key lessons that we have to learn. And, uh, you know, karma doesn't change. It doesn't matter if we, you know, if we have an iPad, or, you know, we're in the age of technology, the law of karma doesn't change at all. But exactly. one of the, you- I think, the first lesson that we have to learn, and I know you've gone through this before, is definitely bravery. It's breaking away from conditioning and the fear of change and i think this is what this is what uh, people find such an obstacle to you know to overcome
2: it's so true isn't it because even though it's the first freedom it's the one that uh, again if we're honest i think we're faced with over and over again in different forms and um every time we succeed in overcoming that we've become that much more stronger we've become that much um more powerful and uh it's a very very you know if we if we move away from that then we've still got to be faced with the same lesson over and over again so
0: it's but it's true if you meet someone who has no fear they are a very strong person and it's this inner strength that we have to learn. We have to have the courage of our convictions, not, by, not be frightened by what our next door neighbour would think, or what you know in our work environment. What are they going to think of my real beliefs? You know, I don't care at all what people think. I'm no. I know what I believe, and I'm happy to talk about it to anyone.
2: Exactly, and that is one of the first tests often, isn't it? Once we we have to sort of break away often from our families who may think we're going off course, and then our friends who are like, whoa, you know, she's going through a change. (laughs) And so it does take this courage, and as you say, courage of convictions, and uh, it makes us much stronger. So this first freedom is essential in all things, as we're told. And, um, Alison, I'd just like to... uh, and we've talked about this before, but I think it's an essential part of this, if you could say a few words about karma and reincarnation to the listeners, some of them who are probably new for the first time,
0: listening for the first time. Yes, I'd be very happy to. I mean, part of the spiritual path is understanding that we don't just live one life. It's it's this continuous cycle of uh, birth, birth, uh, then we go through life then we move on to other realms because it's only the physical body it's only the mortal remains which are literally mortal but our soul our spirit that is eternal and when you look in the you look at the world around you and you you see such an imbalance some people are very rich some people have everything all the luck and then others they seem to have nothing and you say how can god allow this to happen oh. well it it, it it's It's our use or misuse of free will that creates lessons. You see, karma is not about punishment. It's about learning. And I know that when people talk about karma today, you know, it's become part of the vernacular. But, you know, they, they use it rather glibly. But it's actually a very sacred law. It's part of the law of the universe. It's the law of karma that keeps the balance in the universe. And it, it affects every aspect of our life. Every thought, every action that we do has a reaction. And I think once we start to learn that and understand it from within, if it, if I have a deeper realization, we can then change our life. You see, there's another aspect to all this, and that is we are not totally governed by fate. Yes, there are lessons we have to learn, but... It's how we learn them, it's how we approach these lessons that can determine the outcome and whether we have actually learned it or whether we have to keep on, you know, learning it if you like. But once we understand that and that there is a path, we can change our karma, our karmic pattern if you like, Um, and there is life after death. I think that brings a lot of hope to a lot of people and then they'll realize that whatever they're going through is not going to last and that they can change it it's very much an attitude of mind as well
2: absolutely well thank you for explaining that so so wonderfully well and i think that leads us on to ascended masters because you know you talked about the soul being immortal which it is over the lifetimes and of course the ascended masters are immortal if you like because they don't age and so on they remain as adults and they have colossal powers. So I wondered if you could just talk a little more about um, what these ascended masters are and what it means.
0: Absolutely. Well, I will start by saying this. Without their presence on earth, we would probably not have longer than three and a half days on this planet before there'd be a great cataclysm because of our negative karma, our collective negative karma you see there's another aspect to karma and that is there we have, there's individual karma and there's world karma and what every individual does affects the whole and all these thoughts they're all they're actually material things and yes they're in the mind belt around the earth there's like a, etheric realms different levels of existence around this earth and all our thoughts they're there they hang there And a lot of it is pretty unpleasant. So one of the functions of the spiritual hierarchy of Earth, that these masters perform, one of their functions, is to try and counterbalance this negative energy. So they're performing a great service, they're making a great sacrifice, because they are, in fact, cosmic masters, except that they have chosen to remain here on Earth. But they could go on to interplanetary existence and start a new life cycle.
2: I think it's a very important point you're making that they, they're making this tremendous sacrifice and I think all listeners should be aware of that and be thankful for that um, and really appreciate what they do for us. And um, they, of Something. course, exist, Alison. Do they not in different retreats around the world? So perhaps you could explain oh, yes. um,
0: about some of those. Yes, There are certain uh, sacred places around the world uh, they, they tend to live in uh, beneath certain mountains. And, you know, traditionally they lived in the Himalayas. But right. there are different retreats around the world. I mean, there's, there's a retreat in the Andes. There's definitely one in Sri Lanka, Egypt and Luxor, the Grand Tetons in America. Then you've got Castle Peak, Mount Shasta. Now that's a very famous one, and there there are a lot of legends surrounding Mount Shasta, and even more recently, there's one in Scotland, Ben McDewey in the Cairngorm Mountains. Now what is interesting is that uh, this is the first time that the uh, Great White Brotherhood have come to the British Isles in the last 100,000 years, so that would mean that they were last here during the days of Atlantis. So that's a sobering thought. It is, indeed. So these retreats are situated beneath the mountains because there are lots of networks of caves and tunnels, but they're not sort of primitive caves, not at all. They're very sophisticated buildings, and uh, they have vast underground caverns with very sophisticated equipment as well, some of which has been on Earth since the days of Lemuria. And that even predates Atlantis by millions of years. But these these particular mountains, they're in magnetically strategic places, which would indicate that they probably exist throughout all the realms as well. Oh, that's
2: an interesting thought. Can you yes. expound on that, Alison?
0: Well, I mean, take uh, Mount, uh, say, Kailash in the Himalayas. I mean, I would think that uh, although it... it it exists on the physical plane, and uh, they're definitely the you know aspirants and devotees they travel there because they know it's a very holy place. And the Tibetans, you know, and the a- Asian devotees they travel there into the Himalayas to catch a glimpse of this mountain. But I mean, it's not going to be a cold physical place that we know i mean you know the, the spiritual hierarchy of earth they they operate on higher levels as well you see even though they're situated right. in that in that particular retreat and of course that would be true of all of them and like uh ben mcdewey and uh the play, the retreats in the andes mount that's kilimanjaro that's another one in in east africa
2: it's a wonderful thought to to realize that these incredible ascended masters of great spiritual power are still here you know sometimes we look at the world and we think it seems so hopeless and yet there is hope and they're spending their time and energy and love and it's up to us to reciprocate and do all we can to appreciate them but also to work to uh, for our future in many different ways. But one thing, Alison, um, you mentioned the yes. retreat in Scotland. And yes. one interesting thing I think we need to bring out, since we're both women, right, uh, yes. about the master <laughs> who contacted um, our master. And I have to say also that uh, for the listeners, that Alison and Richard and myself and other people around the world were close students of our master, Dr. George King, uh, for many years, yes. for over uh, 20, 20 years. Uh, a great privilege, and he had so many experiences. And this meeting with an Ascended Master um, in on uh, Ben McDewey was very fascinating. Alison, would you like to share a little more about that?
0: Yes, he was contacted by a, a lady, a lady master. And uh, she was of indeterminate age. And he, he was invited to actually come into the retreat which had an impenetrable protective screen around it and dr king has said that this force screen was so powerful that it could not be breached by a dozen atom bombs exploding simultaneously now we're talking about a science that we haven't even begun to discover right and uh, anyway he was allowed in because an opening appeared within this screen and he was allowed in he was he was in a projected state and he was invited into a huge auditorium. And there were several robed masters who were apparently working on these pieces of apparatus, which had actually been, in, with the spiritual hierarchy, um, that had come with the Sanat Kumara from Venus. And that's going back 18 million years now. And this particular equipment had been modified so that it could be used on planet Earth. So it's, that's quite extraordinary in itself. But one of the functions of this particular retreat was to monitor spiritual organizations, good and bad, so all religions, all spiritual brotherhoods, including black magic. Because this is it. You see, they're looking at the energy output. So they can see at a glance through this equipment what the uh, different types of energy output is, you know, good, bad, and a lot of it is not good. And then they counterbalance it with, uh, with their own en- energy, which they invoke and they have special ceremonies, and they store, they store energy in special crystalline batteries. And that, Chrissy, I'm sure you know, is another subject <laughs> for another day. Yeah. It's something that yeah. we have now mirrored through the India Theory Society, thanks to Dr. King and his, his brilliant design in bringing this to the physical plane. But it's the same concept, storing spiritual energy and then sending it out at a later date. But this may yeah, very fascinating
2: said, to think that, isn't it? That I know. All I know. religious groups, including the Ethereal Society, are being
0: monitored. Oh, yes, constantly they do. Mm.
2: Were you ever I there, know. Alison, in Ethereal's house? I'm sure you were, because you were there for a long time and you still are. Uh, and <laughs> saw those little globules of energy that sometimes appeared. And I often wondered whether they were sort of monitoring devices of oh,
0: some kind. I've got something to relate <laughs> to you about that.
2: Oh, please. Years do. ago, when I was
0: a student, um, I was uh, at art college, and I was talking to a friend of mine about the Lord Babaji. We were just sitting in a room, and I, I was talking about the Lord Babaji and the spiritual hierarchy of Earth. And suddenly, the lights went dim, there was a hissing sound. And a big blue globe floated down through the ceiling. It was light blue and it was a real strong electrical globe. I don't know. It was a you know, an intense energy globule. Wow. And then he looked at me in absolute horror because I was looking at this large globe. It was almost the size of a football. It was quite large. And then suddenly it floated up through the ceiling again. And then... The lights came back on, oh
2: my and I have never
0: forgotten me. that. I mean that—that oh, of course. That is, uh, I would say, definitely a, a monitor that was sent because obviously it was an important conversation, and I must have sent something out into the ethers that was picked up. So they—they they decided, to probably whoever that was at that time, to have a closer look. But yes, oh, I'm getting I mean, the shivers from on that one. Reported. Yeah. So it just goes to show, you know, we're not alone. There, we don't know who's watching us at any given time. Absolutely,
2: and but Alison, I think it's
0: fantastic you as well. You know, that positive isn't side of it.
2: <laughs> Life is so much more fascinating and brilliant and amazing than just the ordinary everyday stuff. And when we start to, when you start to share these kind of experiences, you realise that people realise that, wow, they they too can have these types of experiences. It's just you know, course really they dedicating can. yourself to the spiritual things in life, which are the fascinating things, actually. Are they not, Alison?
0: Absolutely. Hmm. And you see, they transcend all religions. Because yes. all religions, when, if you're studying the precepts as given by the masters, the great initiators, they'll all lead you to the same goal in the end. Because I find it very interesting that, you know, there are different strategies that have been adopted also by the cosmic masters, but also by the spiritual hierarchy of earth. Because in the East, you know, people were more open to spiritual teachings. So you had the, the yoga teachers, you had the path to enlightenment by retreating from civilization, you have the teachings of the ancient rishis, and that way you learned to control the base of nature through strict yogic discipline. I'm just sort of giving a summary of uh, that approach and for hundreds or thousands of years that was the order of the day look the sutras of Patanjali you have the Buddhist Dharma the I Ching, the Bhagavad Gita there are so many practices that were, you know, for the Eastern devotee but the thing is we are all part of the same race are we not, whether we live in the East or the West so uh, the Masters of the Great White Brotherhood had a more complex but different approach to uh bring the Western civilization to a higher level, and they did that through um the Kabbalah and uh also passing on the secret wisdom through uh the, the secret various secret societies and also there was so much superstition so uh, The knowledge, the sacred knowledge, was far more guarded, if you understand what I mean. Right. And then you had the inspiration through the arts and the literature and and science as well. And, of course, when you get someone, you you get some poets or artists who are so inspired and they didn't really know what was happening to them because they may well have had a rise of kundalini to to bring them this inspiration. Say, like William Blake. I mean, he was a wonderful psychic. You know, the late 18th, early 19th century. He was a, he was a very great medium, but he could not fully explain what was happening to him. But now we know it was the raising of the Kundalini. But there wasn't the same strict discipline that they underwent in the East. But you know, it, it really they are two halves of the same coin. Yes, yes. So if you have the mastery, which is the Western approach like through the alchemy the, uh, and uh, the the kabbalistic path and you have that together with the control of the eastern disciplines well it, that you're you've got it all there but <laughs> of <laughs> course you have to apply it <laughs> yes and um, it's understanding the process understanding what's going on and then we can it just opens up new vistas in our life and we you know, suddenly life has a certain magic to it and you can see things happening. It's a really wonderful approach to life which we should all look at seriously.
2: Absolutely. You're absolutely right, Alison. I think that's a good point um, to have a break and for Courtney to give the announcements and perhaps after the break, Alison, if you agree, yes. it would be really nice to um, talk for you to talk about some of the uh, well-known and perhaps not so well-known Ascended Masters through history, and I know people are really looking forward to hearing about that.
0: Oh, my pleasure. I'd love to. Yes, certainly. Wonderful.
2: Well, thank you. And over to Courtney. Thank, thank you. you, ladies.
1: Uh, you're listening to Ethereus Radio Live with host Chrissy Blaze and special guest and host Allison Lawrence in today's topic, Ascended Masters. Please see www.etherius.org for a list of locations and events worldwide. Special events coming up include Royal Oak, Michigan. Saturday, October 25th, Chrissy Blaze will be conducting a spiritual healing class at the Etherius Society in Royal Oak in which you'll learn a complete and powerful technique in only one day. The fee is $95 and there are only a few spots left. Call 248 248- Five eight eight zero two nine zero to register. In London, England, on Tuesday, October twenty eighth, there will be a lecture on the magical power of prayer with Vivian Gibson. This will be held at the Etherius Temple in Fulham, London, at seven p.m. and the fee is five pounds. Or for more info for both events here in Michigan and events around the world, please visit www.etherius.org go to the locations and events section, and you can also visit com for more events that she's hosting and teaching as well. And now I give you back to your hosts, Chrissy and Allison.
2: Thank you so much, Courtney. Hello, Allison. Welcome back to the second Hello. half of the show. <laughs> and the first half has been really fascinating. Thank you for that. And. And now we're getting into the real meat of the show, the Ascended Masters, and uh, Alison I know has done a lot of research, because you are absolutely fascinated at the subject, are you not, Alison?
0: I am, absolutely, yes.
2: Um, Yes, I mean,
0: there's so many traditions, you know, in all cultures, about these wonderful masters who seem to have transcended uh, physical life as we know it, with supernormal powers, and uh, well, um, I've chosen. I think about half half a dozen. Oh, even more than that. I got eight, eight in extraordinary individuals. Now there is a point I would also like to make, and that is the uh, the Great White Brotherhood, as we call it, ha- is comprised of ascended masters, but also non-ascended masters, which is a very interesting point. And they might well have been missionaries in the highest sense of the word, to, who were sent to perform a, a certain task, a certain inspiration. And they were certainly connected with the Great White Brotherhood. And I've included three people, three extraordinary individuals amongst the, the masters, the ascended masters, that I'd like to talk about.
2: Sounds wonderful. You did refer earlier to the Lord Babaji, and I know he's not an ascended master as such, so, but... Um it would be a great place to start I think if you if that's okay with you.
0: Yes, certainly. Well he is certainly the greatest master on Earth, with the exception of the three Lords of the Flame, who are of course guardians of the Logos of Earth. But the Lord Babaji is actually a Saturnian master. So that is an aspect of an even greater being and He chose to come here, To um, has been here for millions of years, at least since we came to this Earth from Maldek, which is what's left of that now, of course, is the asteroid belt. And then we started our life again on Earth. But the Lord Babashi has been on Earth for at least 18 million years, and he will remain on Earth for as long as humanity needs his presence. And he is now the spiritual and political head of the spiritual hierarchy of Earth. Now, revelations were made by Yogananda, who I'm sure has been a very popular yogi in his book, Autobiography of a Yogi. And this, of course, is just one aspect of this very advanced master. And Yogananda does have a wonderful lineage, because his master, Sri Yukteswar, was a disciple of Lahiri Mahasaya, whose master was the Lord Babaji himself. Wow. And uh, Yogananda's mission, see, this is an example of someone uh, who was sent, really, to popularize yoga, and he certainly right. did that. And he has he has connections with the Great White Brotherhood through his lineage. And uh, he has made contact with Dr. King, and he approved the ecclesiastical, Ecclesiastical structure of the Aetherius Society. So we have uh, a wonderful lineage in the Aetherius Society through uh, through Dr King and his fantastic contact.
2: with so the Lord Babaji himself, yes, absolutely.
0: It's amazing. <laughs> it it so,
2: is um, through Yogananda. I have to. I'm so sorry. So, sorry, Alison. Yes. I was just going to say, if people haven't read the the book from Yogananda, autobiography of a yogi, and I think a lot of people have, it's certainly worth reading, isn't it? Not?
0: Yes, yes, absolutely, uh, definitely. I definitely. I mean, I think anyone who's a student of the the spiritual path should at least read it. I mean, okay, what we do in your serious society is more advanced, and it's with in a way because we are manipulating karma in a way that's never been done before in a global way you see this is another thing a contact uh, by an ascended master will only be made with someone whose interests are in humanity as a whole or the planet as a whole they're not going to start giving a personal guidance and uh you know, like a psychic would give. You know, they, they're way above that. So that's another reason to be suspicious of anyone who says you can channel the cosmic master of your choice in a weekend workshop, you know. <laughs> Their yeah, very interest good point. is the whole, humanity as a whole. And this is why the, these contacts were made through Dr. King, because of his mission on earth, which is really to prepare us for the new age. That is essentially, that was essentially his mission. Absolutely. And one
2: important um, ascended master in the Aetheria Society teachings and um, certainly, when we did the series on the 12 blessings, people will remember that he would lead in each of the blessings with, of course, the great yes. and wonderful Saint Guling. And I wondered if you'd like to share some information about this wonderful ascended master,
0: Alison. Yes, certainly. Well, he is a very prominent member of the spiritual hierarchy. And he has a particular role, which is keeper of the Great Seal. And that gives him a unique. Jurisdiction, and I would say from that that if he gives his stamp of approval on something, it is giving karmic authority to certain decisions, and that is a very important point. So, that is the, a deeper meaning of the Keep of the Great Seal. It's not just signing a document and giving it a stamp, it's way above that. It, if you like, it's a symbolic position but one of great importance. And we cannot underestimate the influence of this great master and his links with the Assyrian society. Now, it's interesting because the name Gu Ling in in Chinese or Mandarin is translated as meaning ancient spirit. And Dr. King has also told us that this great master has been in the same physical body for the last 2,000 years. Right. And of course he visualized the concept of the Aetherius Society, namely a new organization that had to be formed to become the vehicle for cosmic truth. Because if you look at all the other religions, and uh, you know the powers that be certainly did that, and uh, decided that these other religions and organizations were already too full of their own dogma, and would not be able to fulfill this particular mission. And also, there was no one advanced enough to be able to take the cosmic transmission. And that is another very important point. Uh, an ascended master or a cosmic master would not uh, channel, if you like, uh, through an individual who was not certainly at the same level, the same spiritual level, and had control of the kundalini. And that's a very important point to remember. So it was it was vital, really, that uh, you know these truths for the Aquarian Age were conveyed in their purest form, would not be changed or modified. And this is why a new organisation had to be brought into being. And this was visualised by the Master Saint Guling. And I'm sure it's not by chance that he introduces the nine freedoms and the twelve blessings, because it must give a certain karmic balance to the powers released by these two series of transmissions.
2: Oh, That's an interesting thought, Alison. So um, thank you so much for that. Um, And one of my own personal favorites, and I, I, I think I'm right, and you'll be able to put me right if I'm not, I think I'm right in saying that Swami Vivekananda was not necessarily ascended when he was on Earth, when we knew him in the last incarnation, but became ascended, is that correct?
0: Yes, yes. I, I, we, I've definitely been told, we have it on authority, that he is now a fully ascended master in the spiritual hierarchy. And I mean, you only have to look look at his, his teachings. I mean, he can cut right through. He, yes. can, he can analyze something because he had a superb intellect. And I mean, yes. I think that his analysis of the Sutras of Patanjali cannot be bettered. You know he understands Absolutely. the human psyche. He, un- you know, uh, you know, considering he, he died in 1902, you know, he really understood understood the human psyche at that time, and how to interpret the sutras of Patanjali, and they're relevant today as well. Nothing in that respect has changed. And uh, what uh, I really love was,
2: about, Viv-
0: I'm sorry, you go, please, Chrissy.
2: Um, of course, what I really love about Swami Vivekananda and also of course our own master Dr. George King is the tremendous strength <laughs> you know I think Swami Vivekananda said you have to grow from the inside out you know um, he he was so strong he was so Absolutely. strong um,
0: And I mean I that think... is an example of bravery you really? know he came yes he came over to Chicago in 1893 to the World Parliament of Religions and he gave an absolutely wonderful speech and of course he's written many letters he's analyzed the different religions and he's analyzed them in a way that's better than i think certain modern interpretations of the religions he really understands the true deeper spiritual meaning behind them i mean and of course you know we've got his his teachings he's written many books on different aspects of yoga and what's interesting and things, is that he, he predicted he would not live. Oh, i sorry. I'm sorry. on, Alison. <laughs> uh, no, I, after I was going to say he predicted that he would not live beyond forty, and that was right. actually fulfilled because he lived to be thirty-nine years, five months, and twenty-four days. That's the exact oh, really? age. <laughs> yes, <it's laughs> quite extraordinary. But he was, yeah, he was extraordinary. Being, yes.
2: He was like, to me, the opposite of New Age thought, which can be a bit fluffy. And, you know, and I'm not knocking, I shouldn't knock the New Age movement because it's it's a good thing when we look at the materialistic world. But there is a certain thought prevalent in the world that, um, you know, why did this happen to me? As you said, Alison, and, uh, yeah. you know, I was born into a difficult environment and it's not fair. And yet Vivek Nanda came out and I think, and I'm paraphrasing here, he said, the world is the, is the great gymnasium. And I think in just those few words I mean that's it really, is it's here to make us strong. And that's what yes, it's about. Absolutely.
0: It's it's about learning. I, uh, you know, going back to what I said. And yeah, uh
2: exactly
0: he is a demonstration of real inner strength, as you so well said. And that's something yeah. that we all have to learn to develop. That's well, inner back strength.
2: to the first freedom.
0: <laughs> yes. I know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on the face of it, it it seems, it's sort of, you're drawn into it, and then you realize just what is meant, and, you know, Mars Sector 6, of course, cuts to the chase as well, he's analyzed the human psyche, and he knows in simple sentences what it is we have to learn, and what we have to do to achieve it.
2: Absolutely, and uh, Dr. King, too, our master, does exactly the same. Yes, Um, And this is what we need. There's too much talking on this earth. There's too many theories. And, you know, this is what we need this direct uh, true, you know,
0: statement of truth that can
1: show us the way. I'll
0: tell you what really bugs me is when people say your truth and my truth. There's only truth. You know, that that doesn't change, that's unchangeable. Very good point. And I think that's something we have to move away from. Exactly, exactly. That's too
2: flaky. <laughs> it is, yes. We need to be strong. I mean, this world is difficult. We need strength. Uh, one ascended master that I think is probably uh, one of your favorites and certainly one of mine, uh, I'd like you to share some information and some wisdom on, and I'm sure a lot of the uh, the listeners have heard of this wonderful master, is the Count Saint Germain.
0: Yes, oh, he's, he's uh, a, <laughs> what a character. I mean, he's quite an extraordinary master. You know, he just suddenly appeared from nowhere. He was uh, quoted by Voltaire as the man who knows everything and never dies. Brilliant. And he's certainly one of the most famous ascended masters to come to the West. And he came to the court of Louis Fifteenth at the height of his reign. And now here he demonstrated what I call mastery. I mean, he had the most amazing talents. He could play the violin brilliantly. He was a wonderful artist. He spoke many languages, French, Italian, English, Spanish, Portuguese, Latin and Greek, Sanskrit, Chinese, and Arabic. I mean, people couldn't, um, they, they were absolutely mesmerized by him. And he could manufacture gems of the highest quality, he was a master alchemist, and he could produce gold from a piece of iron. I mean, he could write. He could sort of write something with his right hand and his left hand simultaneously. And if you put one over the other, you there was not one gap between yeah. the letters. I mean, that yeah. is control. Wow. He was such a colourful character too, wasn't he? Oh, he was. I mean, he dressed in sumptuous clothes and he wore rings on every finger. And he, he, you know, he talked about events of the past. Like he was at the court of uh, King Solomon. He he knew the Roman emperor. Uh Roman emperors, he apparently had a a suit of armour that was worn by one Roman emperor. And he talked as though he'd been there. And uh, he probably was. And it's interesting because he said um, that he was a brother of the Great White Lodge. So he did actually state that. And that, to me, is synonymous with being a a member of the the Great White Brotherhood. And that was a book that I actually uh, picked up in France. So they're quite open about him. And I mean, there's been so many books written about this extraordinary master. And then he'd suddenly disappear. And then he'd reappear and uh, hadn't aged at all. <laughs> it's
2: <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's interesting, Alison. One thing I when I first came into spiritual thought and I used to read books about how you go into kind of a, a state of nothingness, I would I had this great fear that um, as you advanced this is so far from the truth, one would lose all of one's personality and we'd all walk around the same, you know. But in fact, what you do, of course, you drop your ego and and then your real self emerges. And when you're talking about some of these wonderful ascended masters, you see that everyone is so different and so colorful and so rich.
0: And, um, I know. You don't, just because you, you advance, you don't lose, you, you don't sort of lose your personality. It's, it's ego. You see, right. uh, ego is synonymous with personality on the physical realm. But, I mean, even the great cosmic masters have a personality. I mean, if you compare the wit of the Master Sirius, and then Mm. you've got the the deep wisdom uh, of Mars Sector 6, and then the Master Jesus, the love. I mean, there you've got three totally different personalities. And we don't know how advanced they are. It's beyond our understanding.
2: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that, Alison. Unfortunately, we're running out of time. And I know that you also mentioned earlier that, I know, time flies when you're having fun. And I think we've only got um, about eight minutes left. And you did mention earlier that the spiritual hierarchy comprises ascended masters and also non-ascended masters. And I know there are a few non-ascended masters that you um, would like to to talk about. And that would be wonderful if you
0: did. Well, um, there is Madame Blavatsky, who was the founder of the, of the Theosophical Society. She certainly connected with the uh, Great White Brotherhood, and I mean, she performed a great service because she she met uh, um, it's, I think she met the Master Kutumi. So she had a mission to perform, and she proved that she was an extraordinary psychic. And she was one of the first people to bring over from the East this secret esoteric knowledge, like of ancient civilizations, and I mean very little was known about them other than through the, the classical writers of, you know, the ancient Greek and Roman period. But um, you know, she founded the Theosophical Society in eighteen seventy five and I know that Isis Unveiled and The Secret Doctrine are, are certainly classics and that is a great contribution to Western civilization and I would say it played a part in raising the consciousness of the West to prepare for the cosmic teachings. So I would say undoubtedly that she paved the way and uh, she, had an, she led an, ex, an extraordinary life too, and she's, yes. I say, a very great lady. So you see, they're the 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 uh, ascended masters of the spiritual hierarchy comprise men and women, and I think that's a very important point.
2: It is indeed. Um, one thing I'd just like to share, Alison, is that we have uh, a new member, a couple of new members here in, in Michigan. One of them, well, actually, two of them have been very involved with Theosophy. Uh, for almost all of their lives, and uh, they've been teaching theosophy, and the lady, and I won't mention her name, but I I don't think she'd mind me referring to this, had said to her husband, um, also a new member, that she felt there was something that was coming after theosophy. And when she was looking through the Internet one day and came across the Assyria Society website, she said, this is it, this is what is supposed to follow theosophy. And I think she's absolutely right. And she absolutely loves the teachings and, you know, is totally enamored by them. So that's interesting what you said.
0: That's (laughs) a lovely story. Yes. Well, she's absolutely um,
2: right. Yes. So if anyone's listening who doesn't know much about the Etheria Society, this is the organization to join. We don't go out and, and try and gain members. People have to find it for themselves. It's too advanced for that. But you know what? This is the great opportunity in these days to become a member of the Etheria Society. It really is a fantastic organization. Um, Alison, we just have a few more minutes left and perhaps you could talk a little about uh, some other non-ascended masters who are not quite so well known and uh, would be fascinating to hear about. Right.
0: There's a very curious person uh, called Nicolas Flamel and he lived in the 14th 14th century France. Uh, He lived in Paris and he started out as a scribe and then one day he had a vision of an angel who showed him a book with some very strange writing on it. So, okay, that was that. He carried on. And then, a few years later, a very old man came in with a book uh, written by Abraham the Jew. And it was a long-lost work. It was a great cabalistic work. And it had the same strange writing and symbols of, of this the manuscript that he'd had in this vision. Oh. So, to cut a long story short, he traveled to Spain... And he had to work with the rabbis and had to get it all deciphered. And then, with the help of his wife, Pernelle, he produced the first quantity of alchemical gold. And from being a sort of relatively poor man, he suddenly became very wealthy overnight. And to such an extent that the king of France at that time wanted to know uh, the source of their wealth. Uh-huh. But they were very spiritual, charitable people, and they they gave all their money to charitable causes. They built hospitals, churches, and helping the poor. And uh, anyway, so that was that. They died, and uh, there was a tomb for, for, uh, dedicated to both of them. And you might have thought that was the end of the story. But in the 17th century, a man called Paul Lucas... He was um he was an, an an antiquities expert who lived at the time of Louis the Fourteenth and he was commissioned to go and collect antiquities for the newly built Palace of Versailles and he was sent to Middle Eastern areas and he wrote a book about his travels. And in Turkey, while he was there, he met a Dervish who spoke many languages and although he looked around 30 years old he was really much older and then somehow the question of Nicholas Flamel came into the conversation Uh and I'm going to quote the reply that this dervish gave him and he said Flamel is still living neither he nor his wife are acquainted with the dead it is not above three years ago since I left both the one and the other in the Indies and he is one of my best friends
2: Oh, goodness
0: me. How about that? So <laughs> when they looked story. in his tomb, there was nothing there.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, and then in the 18th
0: century, the flamels, both of them, were seen at the Paris Opera, 1761. Um, so it's quite an extraordinary tale. And they went to India, which of course would have been the seat of wisdom in those days, And they obviously advanced very much, and I mean their life of service and dedication to the poor would definitely have helped them manipulate karma, and then they sought greater wisdom and found it. And they were associated with the spiritual hierarchy of earth, I would say. I can't say they're ascended, I don't know, but they are definitely linked to the Great White Brotherhood.
2: Well, thank you for sharing that really fantastic story, Alison. (laughs) Unfortunately, we have to close. uh, It really is, isn't it? I mean, it's very, again, it shows us that uh, life, uh, um, apart from the materialistic life which we all have to deal with, and we do, the spiritual life is so much more interesting and so much more exciting.
0: Oh, it is. (laughs) I see it as a great adventure. It's Fascinating. And it's a journey that we'll all have to make, sooner or later, so why not make it sooner, right?
2: I think that's a great closing thought, Alison. Um, Thank you for that. It's a great adventure, and uh, don't leave it till later. Do it now.
0: Yeah, I second that.
2: So it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show, Alison. Um, You've been wonderful, and you've shared so much knowledge and information and wisdom about the ascended masters we really appreciate that and i have to um bring the show to a close by because uh, courtney is going to make the closing announcements so thank you again and thank you very
0: for inviting me. You.
1: thank you very much chrissy thank you and thank you both allison that was amazing i learned a lot today so thank you so much for for being here We we are definitely grateful Uh, You have been listening to Aetherius Radio Live. Aetherius Radio Live is your cosmic connection the third Tuesday of each month, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. You can connect with the Aetherius Society by going to aetherius.org. If you would like to connect with Chrissy Blaze, we welcome you to visit her website at chrissyblaze.com. And even though Richard wasn't here today, you are more than welcome to connect with him. And his website is richardlawrence.co.uk. We want to thank everybody for being here today and listening. It was a wonderful show. And thank you, Allison, so much for being a guest and a host today. We want to thank watch. You so much. <laughs> thank you. And we want to wish everybody a happy October.